If I'm not mistaken, I've got nine minutes before tip-off. Um, I, I don't know why they would do that to us. Um, you know, they, do they not realize that church is more important than a basketball game? I guess not. Um, but if you're like me, um, day one of the March Madness was Thursday, and the first game I ba- bracket got busted. So I've been working off a broken bracket ever since. So I, I could really care less about this tournament anymore. Uh, I only want one time in my lifetime to have a perfect bracket. That's all I want. Just one perfect bracket. Probably never happened, but that's what I'm shooting for. Like Jared said, we are in the middle of uh, our study of the book of 1 Timothy. Uh, Timothy is a protege of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul uh, is probably the greatest evangelist and church planner our world has ever seen. And so he's writing to young Timothy to say to young Timothy, this is how the church in Ephesus, that's where Timothy is the pastor at, ought to look. And so he's been, we've been walking through, what does the church look like? The local body, not just the universal body, but the local body. And so if you've been with us, the whole theme is about fighting the good fight of the faith. Stay strong in the faith. And this is how we're going to do it. And so he, he says, remember who Jesus is? We looked at that in chapter 1. Then he talks about this is what Jesus came to do. That's chapter 2. He came to save all people. And then in chapter 3, he says this is what the, the body ought to look like. Elders and deacons. This is how you are to govern the body, to protect the faith, to protect the gospel. Uh, and then last week, uh, we looked at probably the linchpin of the whole, the whole book. Uh, it's the confession that we saw in verses 14, 15, and 16. Who Jesus is. It, it, this is the gospel in those three verses. Uh, it's the linchpin. This is what we're fighting for is the gospel. And then he comes here to chapter 4 and he goes back to talk to them uh, about uh, those that wander from the faith. Remember he told, told us that in chapter 1. He named two men. Two elders that were in the church had wandered from the church. And so I asked this question to us this morning. Have you ever known someone to wander away from the faith? Have you ever wondered how does someone that claims to be a believer wind up wandering from the faith? You know that happened to Billy Graham, Billy Graham's right-hand man when they first started doing uh, the statewide crusade. Uh, He came, those two guys had graduated Bible school and they were taking the U.S. by storm with the gospel. Uh, one, one, what they didn't have is some formal training. Though they went to Bible school, uh, one of them wanted, not Billy Graham, the other man wanted to go on uh, to seminary and get a higher education. And so he left and he started writing back to Billy Graham. And he told Billy Graham, we're 100 years behind, Billy. We're 100 years behind. We've got to change our message. And Billy Graham said, no, I'm going to stand on the truth. And eventually this man wandered away from the faith. I'm sure if you're here this morning, you've experienced people that have claimed to know Jesus and have wandered from the faith. And you, it's, it like leaves your, at least for me, I scratch my head. Uh, one of my dear, dear friends uh, who uh, led me to the Lord has wandered from the faith. And so Paul's going to answer the question in this text. How do we wander from the faith. I want to read this one illustration before we get started. It's from the book, The Flight of Peter Fromm. Peter Fromm 
This is a fictional character, but this is about his journey of going off to a seminary in Chicago. And so this is his memoir. It's, it's a fictional story, but he, he's solid in the faith, and he gets to seminary, and he wanders from the faith. But this is what the writer says. I think this is so true for all that have wandered from the faith. Let me read this illustration as we get started. It says, imagine yourself in a room with walls that are papered bright green. So imagine a bright, if this room was bright green. You walk in to the adjacent room, and the walls are green, but the shade is just a tad bit bluer than the first. You go to the next 48 rooms, and as you walk from room to room to room to room, the shade goes from a, a bright green to a bluer and a bluer and a bluer till you get to the 50th room. It's completely blue, but you don't realize how blue it is because your perception is based off the first room, which is so green. It's not until someone brings you a piece of the paper from the first room and says, this is how green the first room was, and then you realize how blue it is. I think that's true for us. I believe that's true for every man and woman that's wandered from the faith. It's very rarely that we take a hard right turn away from the faith. It's a gradual turn away from the faith, and it's a gradual turn away from what Paul has been warning young Timothy over and over and over about and he's going to warn Titus. He's warning them about the truth of God. And what he's saying, and you'll see this in the text here this morning, that it just takes one degree away from the truth to wind up as an apostate. Just one degree. And we are to guard the truth. That is what we just talked about last week. That this is the pillar. This is our foundation. We are to hold up the truth of God. And what happened in the church of Ephesus was this. That there was men that were coming in not holding to the truth. And then he says this. He says, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the truth. That is a terrifying passage to me. That is a promise that we see in this text. The promise is this. That there will be people that come into this body that will wander away from the truth. That they will claim to know Christ as their Savior. But the promise is this, and he warns young Timothy, do not be surprised when those wander away. And so the first point is this. We must be warned of false Christians. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Hey, just be on the alert for those that sit in your mix that really aren't believers. What Paul is not saying to young Timothy in this passage is you can lose your salvation. We know that to be true. We cannot lose our salvation. Once a man or a woman has a regeneration of the heart, God has done a work that no man, not even themselves, can undo. God is in the work of doing the regeneration, but what happens is those that are are not regenerated wander away from the faith. 
Jesus himself warned us of this in Matthew chapter 24. He says, then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. Just turn on your TV this afternoon. To any of the religious, you will see many people that claim to be believers that are leading people away from the truth. One of those is a brother no longer named Rob Bell. Rob Bell, about 10 years ago, wrote a book called Velvet Elvis. And in that book, he started questioning some of the the foundational things of Christianity. And now, 10, 15 years later, he is as far from the Lord as possible. But he just began to ask the question in his book, Velvet Elvis. He asked this one question. The one question he asked, does it really matter if Jesus was born of a virgin or not? Does that really have any implication on the gospel? Well, when you first answer, ask the question, it's like, no, not really. Unless you line it up with what God's Word says, that Mary was a virgin. And so then it matters. But see, Rabel was asking one small question away from the truth. We know it to be true. Paul says this. Uh, it's said about Paul to us in Acts chapter 20. I know that there will be in my departure fierce wolves that will come among you, not sparing the flock. And from among them our own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. John in his epistle says this in First John chapter Two, verse 19, they went out from us, catch this though, but they were not of us. See, that's the distinction. There may be men and women here that claim to be a believer, but unless there is a regeneration of the heart, they are not with us. They may be among us, but they have not been regenerated, therefore they are not with us. But they went out, and that it might become plain that all are not like us. But again, I say this. Paul is not talking about backslidden Christians. He's not talking about telling any of us that we can lose our salvation. I would say this boldly. If someone has wandered away from the faith, I would say they had no faith to begin with at all. And those are not my words. That's what uh, John says. And again, that's what John says in John chapter 10, verse 28, I give them eternal life. Who gives it? He gives it. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand, nor can you get out of his hand. You cannot be a believer and get out of the fold of God. You were never a part of the fold of God. That is who Paul is warning young Timothy. There are brothers and sisters Timothy, that are in your midst, that are going to say things that are not true. Be weary of them. And then he says this about the false teachers. There are going to be some amongst you that are going to wander away. And they're going to wander away because of false teachers. Is this in verse 1b? They departed from the 
faith by what? How did they wander away from the faith? Look at the word. They devoted themselves to what? They devoted themselves to deceitful spirits and to teachings or to doctrines of the devil or of the demons. False teachers. It always starts this way. False teachers always starts with the false teacher. That is Satan himself. And here's how crafty Satan is. Satan does not take lies to lead people astray. He takes the truth and turns them into lies to lead them astray. Is that not what he did to to Adam and Eve in the garden? Remember what he said to Adam and Eve, the great deceiver, the greatest teacher, deceiver teacher of all time. He said, did God really say that? Did God really say that? So he took what God had said and just twisted it just enough that it became deceitful and demonic. And what happened to Adam and Eve? They believed the lie. They had everything in the garden. And yet they believed the lie. So the greatest false teacher of all is Satan. And here's the scariest. Satan uses humans as his instruments. Satan will use crafty men. People that, man, they sound great. I mean, that, that guy out of Texas, with, I mean, he's got the greatest hair ever, for sure, no doubt about it. You know, Joel Osteen. Somebody needs to write him a letter and tell him the mullet went out a long time ago. And a curly mullet went out a way long time ago, I'm just saying. But, but if you listen to Joel Osteen, man, he's entertaining. Like, he is fun to listen to. Like, he's not boring. He's energetic. But you got to listen to what he's saying. And when you listen to what he's saying, it's heresy. But man, he sells millions and millions of books all the time. Here's what I know to be true. If Oprah Winfrey thinks you're a great writer, you've got issues. I'm just saying. When Oprah is interviewing you and she thinks you're a great spiritual leader, you got problems. And so Satan is always going to use teachers. And what kind of teachers is he going to use? He tells, Paul tells Timothy three things. Look out for these three types of teachers. And they go hand in hand, all three. Insincere teachers, lying teachers, and seared conscience teachers. The, the word insincerity means hypocrisy. It's the same word that we get uh, when we talk about plays, when someone puts on a mask to become something he is not. And said, so he's saying, you've got to look out for those kind of teachers, insincere teachers. They aren't really who they say they are, and they don't really do what they say they're going to do. And then he says this, you must also look for those who lie. Well, how do we know if it's a lie? Because you know the truth. You see, we live in a day and age that says there's no absolute truth. Yes, Yes, we, we have it right here. But see, we will not know if it's a lie if you do not know the truth. You must know the truth to know if it's a lie. And so I wonder for us church, I wonder for young Timothy, if the people in the church didn't know the truth well enough to distinguish that it was a lie. And the last one is this. They have seared conscience. It, it, it's this idea 
of what you do when you go to the doctor's office and they steer, uh, when they cut you open and they have to steer it back, they steer off uh, the arteries so blood didn't spew everywhere and you die. Well, also when you do that, you steer off uh, nerves. You steer off the blood, but you also steer off nerves. So a lot of times when you have, if you've ever had this kind of surgery, you'll lose feeling in certain parts. Well, that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. These men in the church have such a seared conscience, they can't even feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit any longer. That is terrifying. And he's saying you've got to look out for people that no longer can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit that leads to conviction. And then he says this. So you must look out for false Christians. You must look out for false teachers. But you also must look out for what? False teachings. Is that not what he says in verse 3? These are what these teachers are teaching falsely in the church. They're saying to the church, you are to be forbidden from marriage and require abstinence from certain foods. What is he talking about? Marriage and food. Well, in that day and age, what they began to think was this, that, hey, if we abstain from marriage and we abstain from certain foods, then we'll achieve holiness. Right? Because does not Paul say that? Paul says that in Corinthians. Hey, I, I beg you to stay single because it, it's easier for the single guy to do stuff for the Lord. So he's t- they're taking Paul's words to the Corinthians and twisting them. Well, what do we know to be true about marriage? It's a gift from God. We know that from Genesis chapter 2. God ordained marriage. So we cannot say that marriage is not okay if God's word says it is okay. So that's the first thing. The second thing is food. What, what is he talking about food? Well, again, they believe that there are certain foods that were not okay to eat. So they were saying to do away with all meats. If you look back in the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament, you'll see that God gave uh, the, the Jewish people, this is what you can eat, this is what you can't eat. Well, these people took that law and, and went tenfold over and said, hey, you can't eat any meat at all. Well, what do we know to be true about God's Word? All things have been given to us by God for our good and His glory. Tells us that in Genesis chapter 2, right? Genesis chapter 2, he puts them in the garden. He says, all this is yours. And what does he say about all of creation? It is good after the first day. It is good after the second day. It is good after the third day. And so what these men were doing was teaching a false doctrine about how to achieve righteousness and holiness. If you don't do these things, and you do do these things, then you'll achieve righteousness and holiness. Well, God's Word says there's nothing that we can do to obtain righteousness and holiness. That is a free gift given to us by God at our conversion. But these men were saying, do this and do this. Don't do this and do this. Does it not remind you of what um, the younger ruler said to him in Luke chapter 18? What must what I do to inherit eternal life? And so in the church, they were saying, do this and don't do that. See, what happens is when we begin to take what God says and twist it just enough and make it lies and put 
uh, burdens on people that were never meant to be burdens? Are we not becoming the Pharisees? That's what the Pharisees did. They took the law of God and added tenfold on top of the law of God so they could obtain their own righteousness and holiness. But here's what happened. They didn't believe in the word of God because if they believed in the word of God, they would have known marriage was good and they would have known food was good. So they began to not believe in the word of God. And when we begin not to believe what is true, it will determine how we live our life. I love what one writer said. President of a seminary. He says this, when we begin to forbid what God allows, soon we will begin to allow what he forbids. Let me say that one more time. This is powerful. When we begin to forbid what God allows, that's what they were doing, we will begin to allow what God forbids. How do you think our country is in the crisis it's in? Because we wandered from the truth. How, how is it that we in America allow abortion because we've wandered from the truth? How is it that we in America have allowed homosexual marriages because we've wandered from the truth? So my question to us this morning, and the answer is in the text, what is the antidote for false teaching, false teachers, and false believers? Threefold, I believe. First is this. It's what he says at the end. He says, by those who believe and know what? The truth. The antidote for false Christians, false teachers, and false teaching is that we must know the truth. What does the writer of Psalms say? I've hidden your word in my what? Heart that I might not sin against you. This is our first antidote. The second antidote is this. We must live lives of thanksgiving. He says, for everything created by God is good and nothing is rejected that is to receive with what? Thanksgiving. Do we as believers live lives of thanksgiving? And then the last one is this. For it is made holy. All things are made holy by what? The word of God in prayer. It's not our prayers that make it holy. It's the Word of God that makes it holy. So I ask this question. I often hear this from many believers. I just don't know how to pray. You know where I would start? I would just open this up and start praying the very Word of God. Because God's Word makes all things holy. So if you don't know what to pray, start here. Start in the Psalms. Everything we need for holiness, righteousness, and godliness can be found in these pages. You, you don't need a book on how to pray. You have it. You don't need a preacher to tell you how to pray. You have it. You want to live lives that will Know if there's false 
Christians in our midst? Do you want to know if there's false teachers in our midst? Do you want to know if there's false teachings in our midst? Know to the Word of God. And I would challenge everyone. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just come here on a Sunday and listen to my word and think it's right and true and accurate. I would plead with you. Go home and you study this text and see what God reveals to you. You see, that's what happened when many false teachers began to, to get up and teach the word of God. We just took it as, well, the preacher said it. I got, it must be true. And we stop getting into daily practice of knowing the word of God. You want to know what's true? This is true. And this will protect us from everything. You want to know how to have a better marriage? Don't come see me as your marriage counselor. Read this. You want to know how to train your children for righteousness and holiness? Read this. You don't need a conference. You don't need a podcast. You want to know how to live a life of holiness and righteousness? Read this. This is our compass to know what's true and what is false. That is what Paul is saying to young Timothy. Let us pray. God, I'm grateful for your eternal word. Every word in this Bible is true and it's accurate and it brings life. And so God, I pray if there's anyone in here this morning that is wondering these questions. How do people wander away from the truth? Or how have I wandered away from the truth? I would say this. Do we know the truth? Because your word says the truth will set us free. So lead us this morning, guide us this morning to this great hope because of your eternal word. Pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen.